Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Growing in wisdom. There was a time in not too distant past when instruction manuals were the norm. When you bought something new, whether it was a, a computer or a kitchen gadget, an instruction manual usually came with it. Now, there are many who never even used the instruction manual anyway. I mean, but at least it was available if you started using your new gadget and you got stuck. The instruction manual helped you understand where you went wrong and usually gave some clues on how to undo the mess that you might have gotten yourself into. Once you read the instruction manual, motivated by either a disciplined approach to using your stuff or because you got stuck somewhere and you needed help getting out of your predicament, you could much more efficiently accomplish whatever you were trying to do. Instruction manuals can be a godsend, but they aren't often offered today. In fact, even when they were common, they never had carried or considered some of the things that we found most valuable. For example, there was never an instruction manual on how to raise a child. You buy books that give insights on various aspects of childhood development, dietary requirements, financial planning for children, many other things related to raising a child. But there's no single book that covers everything that you need to know to raise a child. Or what to do if you make a mistake, for that matter. Likewise, there is no all-encompassing book on how to live your own life. We can find books that are helpful in addressing specific topics that affect aspects of our lives, but there's no single book that explains everything that you need to know to live a good life, or even what that means to live a good life. For these situations where there's no specific instruction manual available, we must rely on either experience or advice, or a mix of these two. The telling phrase used to describe the path of learning from experience is trial and error. In trial and error, of course, various possible solutions or approaches are considered, and then they are tested when you try to implement them. And if the solution wasn't quite right, the result would obviously be an error of some kind. And you would have to dream of another possible solution to try again later. For example, if a person was searching for a way of life that would bring happiness, they might consider finding a, a way to earn as much money as possible. I mean, after all, being short of cash creates a huge amount of stress in a person's life. And participating in entertainment, a lot of act entertainment activities require a lot of money. So with this idea in mind, one might focus all their effort in trying to earn as much money as possible, even at the expense of interpersonal relationships and physical health. But one day, perhaps after achieving some specific financial goal, they might assess their situation and realize they're not as happy as they might, thought, might have thought they would be if they had as much money. The problem with this mode of learning is that it takes years sometimes to reach that conclusion. You might have a deep understanding of the fallacy that the search for money brings happiness, but it could take years that you won't get back. 
This is why seeking advice or the wisdom of others is much more helpful. Advice and wisdom come to us in many forms. They're in songs and poems, plays and movies and letters to other people. The Bible, which is a collection of books and songs and poems and stories and letters, it's an excellent source of wisdom. Today's passage from Hebrews, which some scholars consider to be a letter and some think of it more of as a sermon, offers several short sayings. One of these sayings, for example, talks about money. Verses 5 and 6 state, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Now, these two verses make a case for avoiding a focus of, on money as a means of achieving happiness by referencing earlier, more respected writings. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses passes along his advice to the Israelites at the end of his life, telling them, Be strong and bold. Have no fear or dread of other nations, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Likewise, the author refers to the advice offered in Psalm 118, verse 6, which states, With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? Using the rich collection of writings and wisdom from Jewish culture, as well as Greek influence from his day, the author of Hebrews offers several useful lessons in this passage that are best learned through advice rather than experience. Verse 4 states, Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Although first century Greek culture was more open to the idea of using money and sex as a means of achieving power and honor, the author of Hebrews discouraged the early Christians from considering this behavior acceptable. Failure to follow this advice was known to lead to misery. And those who suffered the misery of imprisonment were to be consoled by their Christian brothers and sisters. Verse 3 states, Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Interestingly, the Greek verb, or the Greek word rather, used to suggest a deeper level of empathy than simply keeping those folks in mind. The expectation was to think of them as though your own body itself was being imprisoned or tortured. It was literally you that was feeling that. The author advises the reader to give careful consideration to experiencing those who are experiencing dis distress, including visitors. In a likely reference to the story in Genesis 18 of the three angels who visited Abraham and Sarah, verse 2 of today's passage says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing them. Again, based on the experience of others, it's been discovered that it is better to err on the side of hospitable compassion 
than fearful animosity. These are the ways of the wise leaders who have gone before us and whose example we are encouraged to follow. Know that they didn't offer only good advice or only perform kind humanitarian acts. They offered advice based on Christian teachings and followed the advice in their own lives. These are the people whose outcomes in life were the ones that we should consider and whose faith we should imitate. Having followed the ways of Jesus, they are the ones whom we think of as having been successful and having had a successful life that mattered and was enduring. Through offering sacrifices of praise to God, doing good works, and sharing what they have, they've given us examples which we can learn from and lessons that we can follow. But one common theme from the teachings of Jesus is that no single set of rules can completely contain the mystery of God. There is no way to legislate behavior in a way that predetermines the right course of action for any difficult situation that we could possibly encounter. This is a practical reason why we don't have an instruction manual for life. Instead, I think there are principles which can help us choose the right path, especially for those circumstances that we have not been prepared for. In today's passage, which is filled with recommendations on how to react to specific temptations or situations, the first verse really sums up the guiding principles. Let mutual affection continue. And the Greek word used in this verse referred to an affection that exists between siblings, which was considered the strongest kind of love in the ancient world at that time. It's assumed that cooperation, solidarity, and sharing of resources based on mutual commitment was the kind of love that we should have. Yet it wasn't an affection that was limited to a closed circle of just your brothers and sisters. As the advice to welcome strangers points out, outsiders were not to be ignored. This is a love that seeks the well-being of others and is open to all, to everyone. It's also an affection that's expressed in community. Considering the importance placed on compassion, relationships, and consistency between word and deed, this is an affection that prompts us to love together. Rather than doing good deeds on our own, we are expected to continue living and working in mutual affection. We show hospitality to strangers, compassion to prisoners, respect to each other, and faith to God, not only in our own private lives, but in the life of the community as well. In this way, we can continue to support each other by sharing the wisdom that we glean from our own personal experiences and offer support to those of us who happen to be going through that school of hard knocks. So I encourage you today to reflect on the living by that principle of mutual affection. By having a deep, sincere concern for the well-being, not only of our close friends and family, but also for the stranger in our midst. We will likely live life very differently. Small changes to the ways we interact with others, share the resources at our disposal, and even use the influences that we have acquired 
will result in significant changes to the world around us. When combined with similar efforts, efforts throughout our church family, the impact around us would be huge. This isn't just new advice developed by the author of Hebrews. It's a long-standing commandment given by God. Jesus reminded the religious leaders of this commandment when he told them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This message, which was repeated in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, describes the principles behind the lessons in our passage today. By letting mutual affection continue, we are essentially loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We not, may not have been given an explicit instruction manual for life, but we have been given the lessons and examples of Jesus who continues to abide with us and guide us as we seek to follow his way and imitate his faith. Let your life be filled with mutual affection, and you will inevitably find the right path in your daily walk while also growing in wisdom. Amen.